Life Audio. At the end of yesterday's devotional, the takeaway was that you are loved for who you are, not for what you do. And I think the key thing to hone in on is we are loved because of who God is. He is love. And so today we are continuing that story and we're looking at the special relationship that Jesus had with this family. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Today we are continuing our devotional series that is pulled from the She Hears Bible Study, and we are talking about Martha. Um, I'm going to read some of the scripture that we were talking about this week. I'm not going to read all of it because it is 44 verses and it's it's quite lengthy. Um, this is from John chapter 11 verses 1 through 44. And so you can go ahead and read that on your own. What I'm going to read is just about the part um, where Lazarus has died. And so I'm going to pick up and read just a small portion and then we'll get into today's uh, devotional thought. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. We're talking about Lazarus. So Jesus had been um, not at this location. And after uh, hearing about the death of Lazarus or what he says, the sleep of Lazarus, he waited two more days before he started traveling back. And it was a journey of about two miles. So this is where our story picks up. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. When she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. If you have bought the She Hears Bible Study from me, either at an event or from my website, in the beginning, I always write this line. And in a different version, which I think we'll get to later in this week, um, I always read these scriptures in different versions just to kind of give us a different perspective. The one version I love, it says the master has come and he's calling for you. So we're going to get into that more next week when we study Mary. Um, but if 
this is kind of getting to the part where you're going to start to unpack that a little bit and you'll maybe see why I put that in the beginning of each of my books when I sign them. So today we're going to get into this main part of our study and this story of Lazarus. So yesterday we talked about some of the backstory about the dynamics between the relationship with Martha and Mary, some things about Martha's personality. Um, and so I hope you can understand now, today, why we did that yesterday. I think the backstory is important. So if we're picking up from where we left off, I want to remind you again with what we finished with yesterday. I reminded you that Martha was loved for who she is and not what she does. So we're going to take a look today at the kind of relationship Martha and her family had with Jesus. So as you may have picked up, the home of these siblings is a place where Jesus has spent some significant time. And in addition to that, the triumphal entry started very close to their home. And Jesus also later would ascend nearby. So I think it's significant that the home of Martha was really central to the gospel story. And I don't know if you've made that connection before, but if we look at the various locations about this, this last season of Jesus' life here on earth, Martha's home was right in the center of all of that. The name of Martha's village was called Bethany. And so in the original text, it was the name Bet-Anva, or House of Poverty. And so biblical Bethany, this location we're talking about, it was a center to care for the poor and sick people. House of Poverty, a center to care for the poor and sick people. Does that, did you know that, first of all? And does that hit you the way it hits me? The place that Jesus spent a lot of time, especially at the end of his life, that place that Jesus decided to perform his last miracle before his death, that place that would change the way that people felt about him and, and how they recognized him, and that place that his glory would be shown in such a powerful way, that's a place where the poor and the sick people were. See, I work in outreach ministry and I work with some of the most impoverished people on the face of the planet globally and I know that miracles happen where the poor and the sick people are. I've seen it firsthand and I don't know why that surprised me the way that it did but it makes me love Jesus even more. There was a time where I was in an African country and there was a little boy who the mom brought forward for prayer and he was about two or three years old. And I had a little translator with me because I didn't speak the language. We were in a village. I didn't speak the language. And so this little boy was translating for me. And so he brings this little boy to me and he says, uh, he wants prayer. And so I looked at him and he looked like every other little boy that was there that day. And so I went to just lay my hand on his shoulder and smile at him. And my little translator friend, uh, Benoit, he looked at me and he said, no, look. And he turned his head. And when he turned his head, Oh, there was a gaping chunk of his, like four or five, six inches of his head missing. And it was green and oozing and flies and, oh, it was terrible. I don't know how this little boy was up walking around. And I immediately got sick to my stomach and moved with compassion. And Benoit said, I, I need you to pray for him. And um, it was one of the first times in my life I had ever seen anything that extreme. I have worked in impoverished nations for a long time, but it was the first time I had seen such a drastic injury when the child was still alive. And so um, I fell to my knees 
and I was on in the dirt and I was just so overwhelmed and I just thought like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to pray for healing. Like, yes, I know God, you can heal, but do you? And this is a desperate situation and we need a doctor. And I looked around and the only doctor that was with us on our team that trip was a veterinarian. And she's like, we, we, there's no doctors around. There's witch doctors and a veterinarian. That's it. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to pray for him. And as I prayed for him, I I felt like I was finished and I opened my eyes and I, we had seen a lot of miracles this week. And so I opened my eyes and he's staring at me and the Holy Spirit said, pray for him as if it was one of your own children. And immediately I was overwhelmed with such compassion of, of, of the Holy Spirit where I, I really sensed Jesus empowering me to pray for this little one. And so I'm praying for this one and I'm in, in, um, moved with such compassion and tears and praying for this this little one fully expecting when I opened my eyes that this little boy would be healed and when I opened my eyes he was not healed and it was time for us to go and I just was so confused like Lord why would you have me pray this little one for this little one and nothing happened and I had seen these miracles and I'll probably get into some of that this week but I had seen these miracles like some radical miracles throughout the week and um, so I expected it and um, we had to leave we got on our bus and I just sobbed and it was the it was the first time I think God really broke my heart for people in impoverished nations in that way and so I sobbed all that night and I just quietly wept the whole next day and we were out doing things um, the next day we weren't in that same village and so it was three days later we went back to that village and um, we were just going throughout the village doing praying for people doing different things and at the end of the day this mom comes forward and this little boy's head was healed. And not only, I mean, he didn't have hair in that section, but not only was like this, the skin healed and the infection was gone, but the bone was restored. So there had been like a chunk of his head missing, like a chunk, like it would look like a, like an, almost like an L shape. And that was restored. And there was new like pinkish skin over, over his skull. And I just... Then I wept because I had doubted God. And in that moment, he said, the Holy Spirit said, um, sometimes it's about my timing and not your timing. And I, I don't know what God had to do. Obviously, there was some work that needed to be done. Infection probably needed to be cleared out. And, you know, it was a miraculous healing, but it wasn't instant like I was expecting. And not that God can't do it, but I, I trust God with that. But for me to see this little this little one um, healed, it was such a powerful example of the compassion Jesus has on the poor and the sick and the hurting. And so I think about that when I think about this story and this place where Jesus was at, Bethany, the house of poverty, the place that Jesus chose to be central to his story, his redemption story, his story of the cross, which is the very place we find our healing. That's where he chose to be a part of this family. And I think there's something to that. I think that we live in a culture that sometimes prays last instead of first. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll finish talking about praying first instead of last and going to Jesus with our pain. Stay tuned. 
And, you know, my own experience with that, even though I have been on the mission field and I've seen amazing things, I still feel like I te- I'm, I'm much more tempted to go pop a couple Tylenol instead of pray when I have a headache or one of my kids has a headache. And it's a habit we get into. And so I love studying this passage because it reminds me that Jesus works and moves and does miracles in the presence of those that are poor and sick and hurting. And um, it's part of the reason I do outreach ministry. It's part of the reason I have such a heart for that. Um, And there's lots of things to study in in today's um, content. If you have the Bible study, you will know that we dive deep into this relationship that um, Martha has with Jesus. But what I want to communicate is there's a different kind of love, I think, that we see between Jesus and this family um, than what I think I have experienced um, prior to studying this. Um, and I won't get into all of it because you can get into that in the Bible study if you're interested. But there is different kinds of words that describe love in Scripture. And so there's a reo. Um, which is the kind of love that is described in the Book of Solomon. And um, there's storgio, which is the kind of love you can find it in Romans 12. There's phileo, which is the kind of love that can be found in John chapter 13. There's agapo, which is found in John 3.16. And so areo is like a romantic sexual love. Storgio is like a family unit love. Phileo is a friendship kind of love. And agapeo or agapo, you might hear it called, is godly love. And um, I think it's really interesting, the word that is used for Jesus and the love he had for these siblings, um, it's agapeo or agapo. Sometimes you'll hear it pronounced that way. And if I'm honest, um, godly love, I, I, I that surprised me. I thought it would have been phileo, like the friendship, love, and affection. Um, but instead, and, and other times, um, that, that phileo word is used when it talks about, um, Jesus and the siblings, but it's used by other people. Other people refer to their relationship as phileo. So I'm sure there was some measure of family, uh, sibling type love there, but those are all observations of people looking from the outside in. It's only when John describes how Jesus felt towards them that we see agapo. And so if you're like me, um, you might make this assumption that Jesus felt that way about everyone. And it's the very nature of who Jesus is. And so we make that assumption and we're not wrong. However, the only other time agapo is specifically mentioned with regard to another person is when he talks about the beloved disciple, which many scholars believe to be John himself. And so I don't think it's an accident that agapo is used here. Um, That word itself refers to the kind of love that is rooted in the mind and the will. And so it's the kind of love that speaks of when someone acts in such a way that the action is done for the best outcome and benefit of the person being loved. That's that's the, the original text definition. So think through that with me for a minute. If Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus in a way that he would do what is best for them, and we'll spend some more time on this tomorrow, but think through those facts. Jesus was acting in a way that was in the best interest of Martha because of his love for them. Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick. He knew that by the time he got back to Bethany, that Lazarus would have already been dead and he still waited two more days. And in the meantime, Lazarus died. 
Have you ever felt like you had something die while you were waiting on Jesus? I know that's heavy, but I want you to remember that God is for you, not against you. We're going to pick this apart a little bit more throughout the rest of this week. But right now, I want you to write out the thing or think about the thing that you are thinking about right now. It may be a dream or a career or a ministry or someone you loved. And I don't know if you're like me, but this is very hard for me to come to grips with because there are things in my life that have died while I was waiting on Jesus. I'm going to talk about that this weekend in the weekend recap. Um, We had an adoption, a failed adoption, and I felt like that was a dream that died while I was waiting on Jesus. So if you want to learn more about that, stay tuned. I think that I'll post on Saturday. But I know he loves me, and I know that he works in my best interest, even if I don't understand, even if it's not in my timing, even if It's not the way I expect or how he has worked in my life in the past or how I expect him to work now, even if, because it's not about my timing. It's about his timing. And I know that he works in my best interest and in your best interest. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a God that is so wise. And despite our attempts at, um, even if we're trying to manipulate you or if we're trying to, um, come to you on behalf of somebody else and our intentions are good, um, that you act on our behalf in a way that is good for us. And so, Lord, I ask right now for my friends that might be thinking about things that they feel like have died while they're waiting on you or a healing that they've been believing for that hasn't happened yet. Whatever it is, God, I pray that even right now you would help them to know that you are a God that loves them incredibly and that there's nothing that they can do that would change the way that you feel about them because of your love for them. That our sin, yes, our sin separates us from you, but you have made a way for us to find ourselves a a way back to you and that through you, we can be reconciled. God, I thank you that you have a heart for restoration and reconciliation and that there is nothing too difficult for you, even if we don't understand. Even if we feel like the timing is off and that you're late, God, help us to come to you in the waiting. Lord God, I thank you for my friends that are listening. I pray that you would be with them throughout their day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. I know you've been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. Listen, I know. I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, which helps you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I include lots of cultural and historical information, and it really makes these familiar passages of scripture just come alive. This is a great study to do on your own, to do with some girlfriends or even some teenage girls, and it will help you really gain the confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. You can find that on my resources page at shehears.org, where there are also some really good resources to help you in your spiritual growth. I pray that they are a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more.
Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.